Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we take this moment of stillness and listening and paying attention to what you might be saying or doing in our lives, the reality is we are a a confused people that rush in multiple directions at the same time. And so we are easily exhausted. We are easily anxious. Some of us come to this moment not sure of how we're going to make it through another week or another month. Others of us coming from a place of stability and security even this pandemic has not completely touched us in a personal way, and so uh, we, you know this is just an extended staycation in many ways. Others of us feel the weight of it, the weight of financial difficulties, physical health issues, losing a loved one, and just the uncertainty of the future. We come to this moment of a political landscape in our country as we face the presidential election with just swirling messages and fear coming from every side. We come to this moment where our country cries out for racial equality and racial justice. We just come to this moment where even beyond all of this, it's just difficult enough to be a human being with all our questions and cares and concerns and the ways we get it and the ways we don't get it. So help us to see that you know us with all that is taking place right now in our lives and in this world, and you know us and you love us, and your response is to move toward us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see that you know us and love us this much that you promised you would never leave us or forsake us. And now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you teach us in a way that our lives would be transformed as we open our, your scriptures for our good and for your glory. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, as many of you know, part of my mental and physical health is, is it gets into a good place around uh, the summer because I enter into two or three triathlons per year to try to give myself some sort of a goal to work toward so that then I'm kind of working out and I'm training. None of that has happened this year, as you know, with the pandemic. Most, most many uh, amazing things in life have been postponed or put, you know, or just kind of halted altogether. So I designed my very own half Ironman course that I'm going to do this Tuesday. Well, no, I'm going to attempt this Tuesday. So next week, I will tell you if it went well. If I don't mention it, don't bring it up, okay? But here's what we're doing. 
And we're doing a hike for 13 miles on the Pacific Crest Trail, ending in Julian. And then we're riding our bikes, Florence's brother and myself, we're riding our bikes from Julian down to La Jolla, 56 miles. And then we'll swim in La Jolla, or I'll, I'll at least swim in La Jolla, and he'll join me in a kayak to make sure I don't drown uh, for a little bit over a mile. Now, here's the thing. We've been texting all week, and he's done an incredible amount of research on this. So, Richie, thank you so much for all the research you're doing for our adventure trek. And, you know, my response usually, he goes, well, how are we going to get from here to there? Well, I don't know. We're just going to walk on the trail, and we'll figure it out. How hard can it be? It's 13 miles. So he finally sends me this detailed report today and says, the way that you think you're going to get from here to there actually has a climb that is a significant portion of a mile straight up. Like, the way you think you're going to go is not the way that you're actually going to make it if you want to live through this day. Okay? So what I want to say is, I don't want constraints. I don't want to pre-think this. I don't want to overthink it. I don't want any rules and regulations. I just want to go for it. And he's saying, you cannot get to there from here. You need something called a map. You need someone to interpret the map for you and explain it to you. And if you do, it will feel like constraint. It will feel like planning. It will take a little more time. It will take more effort and more energy. But you will end up making it from here to there in a healthy way and live to tell the story. Right? I think in some ways that's what Jesus is saying here today when he's talking about truth that will actually set you free. See, we're a people who say, no one defines truth for me. Don't tell me what truth is. What's true for me might not be true for you. What's true for you might not be true for me, right? This is an argument and a viewpoint that goes all the way back to Jesus' day when he's being tried before Pontius Pilate and Jesus says, whoever listens to my voice will know the truth. And Pilate quips, what is truth? This is a question we ask today. What is truth? Who has access to truth in any sort of a way that is actually valid for everybody? My kids and I watched the presidential debate uh, this week. And as we do, we have the debate on the TV. And then like many of you, I've got the laptop open to a website that's doing live fact-checking of everything each candidate is saying. And it's just, you know, that's false. That's exaggerated. That's exaggerated. That's false. And Levi, my son, turns to me and goes, are these guys going to say anything that's true? What is true? What is the truth? And even beyond the, the debate, this is just, you, you know all this, right? You, get, you look through your news feed and you go, is that actually real or is that fake news? Is that produced by some you know, Russian news agency that's pumping fake news into our system, international meddling? What can we actually trust to be true these days? And Jesus says, whoever comes to me will know truth, and that truth will actually make you free. So how do we access that kind of truth that will lead to freedom? And freedom something we all want. Not only in a political season, each candidate from both sides will claim that their pathway is the pathway to freedom, right? And this is part of the big, this is part of the big uh, debate over should you wear a mask or not. One side says, don't make me wear a mask, don't trample on my freedom. The other side says, you are free to not wear a mask if you want to stay home, but you are not free to get me sick in a public place. Please wear your mask. It's always a question of freedom, right? Part of what this pandemic has done to us is it has robbed us of our sense of immediate freedom, at least in the creature comfort sense of, I want to be free to hug my friends. I want to be free to host a dinner party at my house with, you know, with more than just our family. 
I want to be free to have our church come together and gather all our friends and neighbors and come in one place together. I want to be free to travel. And I've, I faced a 40, 40th birthday that celebration during the pandemic, and Florence and I had our 15th wedding anniversary, neither of which we were able to celebrate in a way that we wished we could. I know many of you have very similar experiences. So it pulls on our freedom. And Jesus comes and says, not only do I have truth, but I have truth that can give you freedom in your life. And freedom that goes beyond political freedom. Political freedom is critical and important. And as important as that is, if you, even if you have political freedom, without the sort of freedom that he wants to give to you and me, it will be a cold comfort. He says, I have truth that will set you free. So let's just consider, in the time we have, the problem of freedom and the person of freedom. I know some of you are going, Matt, this, we usually have a Trinitarian sermon here with three points. Today, it's just a two-point sermon, and here it goes. The problem of freedom and the person of freedom. First, the problem of freedom. The problem of freedom is that we have so many different voices and perspectives telling us how to be free. So one major uh, perspective today would say, freedom is having no master but yourself. Right? Freedom is having nobody to tell you what to do. Freedom is doing whatever you like, whenever you want to. Except the only problem with that is we end up running our lives into a wall. Freedom is not having no master but yourself. Freedom is having the right master, the right map, the right guide, the right one in control. As Bob Dylan famously said, you've got to serve somebody. Everyone serves somebody. If you say it's not God, then it's going to be yourself. Even if it's not yourself, you're going to serve, you'll serve your career and say your career is what will tell you you can make it. You'll be okay. You'll have meaning. You'll be stable. You'll be secure. You've got to serve somebody. What's at the core right now that is telling you if you have that, then you will be worthwhile. Then you'll be stable. Then you will have made it. Then you'll be okay. Is it your career? Is it your finances? Is it your relationships? Is it the ability to have kids? If you could just have kids, then you'd be okay. Or is it if your kids could turn out in a different way than the direction they're currently going? If they could only turn this way or that way? What do you serve? As Bob Dylan says, you've got to serve somebody. And the thing is, when you serve any other master than the God who created you and knows you and loves you, then it ends up feeling very precarious. Very tenuous. It feels unstable. Jesus actually says when you begin to serve that sort of a goal in your life, a direction in your life, it actually begins to feel like slavery. Because we give our lives to all sorts of different things and pursuits and goals and hopes. We give our lives to even really good things. But we make them ultimate things. And ultimately they're not strong enough to support us or to secure us, especially through a time such as this. And they crumble underneath us and we're left wanting. We're left hungry. We're left thirsty. You know, a child may say to their parent, kids, have you ever said to your parents, I don't want to go to school anymore. I'm done with it. I'm done with school. And your parent says back to you, your guardian says back to you, you're going to school. Because if I give you what you want right now, if I give you autonomy right now, and you can have everything you want, and no more school for you, I'm actually taking away your freedom for the future. I know what's best for you. Listen to me. Listen to me louder than you listen to your friends. Trust me because I know what is best for you. And God comes and says, if you 
Obey your desires in the moment instead of me. It can lead you to slavery. But if you trust me and obey me in the moment, it can lead to freedom. See, our culture tells you that true freedom is having no master but yourself. And Jesus comes and says, okay, fine. How's that working for you? You've tried it your way. Why don't you try it now my way as I call you? Our culture also says freedom is doing what you really want to do. Freedom is doing whatever you want to do in the moment. And Jesus comes and says, no, actually, that's not the case. Freedom is doing what you are meant to do. Freedom is doing what you were built to do, what you were designed to do. Like, for example, if you see a fish in an aquarium, and you go around and you say, look at the way the glass is really enclosing that fish. Look at the way, I mean, it would really much rather sit with us at our dinner table, wouldn't it? There's much more space, and so you liberate that fish. You take that fish out of the water, and you put it on the dinner table. Have you just set that fish free? No, you haven't. Of course not. You've killed it, because you've taken it out of the environment in which it was created to be, in the water. Freedom's not just doing whatever you want. You know, a train, if a tra you know, some of you kids have seen Thomas the Train. If a train could talk and do whatever it wants, it, it might say, these tracks, these rails seem kind of boring. I think I want to go over there, but as soon as the train comes off the track, it's not going anywhere. Freedom's not doing whatever you want. It's actually living according to your design and what you were made for. Now, the problem with that is, because otherwise you say, I'm just going to trust my desires. I'm just going to trust my heart. And look, your desires and your heart matter. Your desires and your passions and your longings in this world are gifts from God and they should be honored. But they are not always the best GPS or the best compass or the best map of what you should do next. Have you ever thought you were so right and you knew what to do, but in hindsight, when you look back on it, you say, what was I thinking? I mean, how do you know that that's not the decision-making process you're going through right now? And our desires are conflicted. They, our desires contradict themselves. I mean, we are a whirlwind of conflicting desires inside us. Let me give you an example. Say on one hand, you want to be fit. You want to be agile. You want to be able to run and surf. and You, know, you, just, you want to be in shape. That's a desire. That's a great desire. But you also like butter. You, know, you just you really love butter. You want butter on your bread. You want butter on your lobster. And you also just really like ice cream. I mean, let me have some ice cream, of course. Those are all desires. But which one are you going to pay attention to? They are at odds with each other. So freedom is not merely following your desire in the moment. Freedom is aligning your actions and siding with those desires that actually line up with how you were created. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. I think this is why Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples. Christianity, the process of following Jesus and becoming more and more like him, is not saying yes to him one time and then being done with it. It's saying yes to him and then trusting him moment by moment, day by day, sometimes hour by hour, after that, it's holding on to his word. And when you frustrate yourself, when you fail yourself, when it feels like it's two steps forward and three steps backward, and you're ready to give up on yourself, you look at him and you see him not shaking his head in scorn, but smiling and saying, all I do is long to walk with you. You are not out of the game. You are not off the tracks. You're not the fish out of the aquarium and on the dining room table. You are still within my wide embrace. And so let's walk together. Freedom's lining up with the desires. 
that line with your design. This, I think, is what the Apostle Paul was wrestling with in Romans chapter 7 and 8. This is the Apostle Paul who talks about, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And this really dynamic, influential leader of the early church starts churches all over the place, you know, and he he ends up saying, look, I'll be honest with y'all. The very things I want to do, those are the things that I don't end up doing. The very things I don't want to do, those are the things I can't stop doing. To which everyone in every church, everywhere since then has gone, wow, I'm a lot like Paul. He says, who is going to rescue me? Wretched person that I am, I can't even do the things I want to do. Who's going to rescue me? He says, but thanks be to God, in whom there's no condemnation, whose death and resurrection has set me free and he's called me his own. He'll never leave me or forsake me. So the truest thing about you and me is not your ability to get lost, even though you're talented at it, and so am I. The truest thing about you and me is God's ability to find you and rescue you and call you back. God doesn't say, when you've made these decisions, you've allowed your desires to rule the day, and now you're lost. You're over there, and I'm over here. I'll mail you a map, and good luck finding your way back. God doesn't do that. God says, hang on, I'll come get you. In fact, God says, I'm even with you right here, right now. I read something online this past week that said, if you were 10,000 times worse than you are, God's grace would still overpower and overwhelm you and call you back. Truth that sets you free. Because the other voices in our mind and that come to us from society say, tell me what you've done for me lately. Tell me what you've produced. Tell me what project you're working on. And if it's impressive... Then I'll say, you're welcome here, you're included, you're an insider. Tell me about your education. If if your name has enough letters after it in the title, then I'll listen to you. Show me how you look. Show me what dress size you wear. Show me how far you can run. Show me your beach body. Show me whatever you can show me because if it's attractive, if it's lovely, then I will say you matter and you're included and you're an influencer. But if not, you are out. And Jesus comes and says, living according to that voice, living according to the voice of your own inner critic that says you have failed or tomorrow's going to be worse than today, don't even try. Especially at a time like this when we're developing a collective grief in society, a collective pandemic fatigue where it's harder to move forward day by day. And that inner critic comes and says, don't even try. Tomorrow's not going to be better than today. Just give up. See, that's a voice that will enslave you. That's a voice that will push you down. That's a voice that will break your back. But when Jesus' voice comes, the voice that sets you free, the truth that sets you free, he says, I've called you my own, and I know you. Even if it feels like the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil because I am with you. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. Don't you see that is the way to freedom? Freedom is not having no master but yourself. Freedom is having the right master. And the great, beautiful, comedic irony of the whole thing is when we kick against Christ and try to be our own master, we actually find creative ways to enslave ourselves. And when we submit ourselves to him and trust and obey, we actually find a newfound freedom we never otherwise could have imagined. 
Freedom is not doing whatever you want. Freedom is doing whatever you were built to do, siding with those desires according to your design. So how do you find that? How do you find that? Which brings us to the person of freedom. Because as you'd probably imagine, the answer is, how do you find that? In Christ alone. You will not find that in your career. You will not find that in all of your Instagram or Facebook followers and friends. You will not find that in the stock market. You will not even find that in your own physical health. You will only find it in Him. It doesn't mean that any of those things are bad. It means they make really terrible saviors. And when you actually see Him as the one in whom you can trust and find your freedom, it doesn't diminish any of those other things. It actually enables you to enjoy them, maybe for the first time ever. Because you don't need to demand that they save you and rescue you and make you whole. You can actually enjoy them in their rightful place. Jesus comes and says earlier in the Gospel of John, by the way, this is the Gospel of John chapter 8, 31 through 36. We mislabeled it as Matthew. So if you're looking, still looking in your Bible for Matthew 8, 31 through 36, uh, just go to John a, couple, a few chapters later, you'll find it there. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he says here, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What does that look like? What does it look like to have a welcome from God that you don't have to manufacture? A welcome and a love from God that accepts you not only when you get it right, but when you get it wrong. When you feel like you're lost, when he says, I will come after you. I'm with you right now. You know what that feels like? That feels like being a child in the most loving family in the world. See, part of the tragedy of family is that we want it to be that place of perfect welcome and safety. For so many of us, that was not the case growing up. Even in amazing families, still, your parents are human. They're broken. They don't get it right all the time. So you want it to be this place of perfect welcome and safety. And Jesus says, you have that longing. You were built for that. Because ultimately, that's just a signpost. That's a finger pointing to the kind of love that you desire in me. And you know why you desire it? Because it's there to be wanted. It is there for you. You know what it feels like? To be a child in the safest, most loving, most welcoming family. I think this is what Jesus is getting at in verse 35 when he says, The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So he's making this comparison between many households at that time, and we don't have time to get into the nuances of ancient Near Eastern slavery uh, in the Roman Empire. Don't think, um, you know, southern United States um, slavery, because it's, it's a very different construct. That's, I guess that's all I could say about that now. But I do want to say this. In their society... Many households would have a slave who eventually could work off and pay for their freedom. That's one major difference. But in that moment, the slave's position in the household was unstable. It was unsecure. They could be traded away. They could be sold away. They could be told to leave. They, they did not have a place at the table. And Jesus says, so many of you are living in this world as though you're slaves. 
you don't know that you actually have a seat at the table. You're living in this world as though you're a leaf that could be blown away at any moment. And don't you know I see you as a son and as a daughter and I would never leave you or forsake you. Your, your truest identity is not slave, it's son, it's daughter, it's beloved. And so why don't you see the great identity that you have and live according to it? So when you begin to see that, it actually begins to heal your past. And it begins to make you stable in the present. And it can even make you hopeful for the future. A God who sets you free. See, many of us live as slaves to our desires, to our fears, to what other people say or think about us. We live as slaves to that inner critic that just drives all sorts of behaviors in our life. But what would be different if the loudest verdict that you hear right now is you are a child of God? You are beloved. You have been set free so walk in the freedom that you have. It doesn't mean you quit your job or you lose your career or you cancel your 401k. It doesn't mean that you don't have these other aspects of your life anymore, but now they no longer are the thing that promises you freedom. So you can actually right-sized enjoy them instead of demand that they save you and rescue you. Friends, this is the freedom that men and women and children have taken hold of ever since Christ made that first promise. This is the freedom that have set people free in the midst of political turmoil, in the midst of plagues and pandemics, in the midst of uncertainty and difficulty, in the midst of prosperity and joy. In every season of life, it actually sets you free. And then when you live according to this calling, when you live as children of the family, sons and daughters of the king, it actually then empowers you to go out and to act in accordance with that great family, with that great kingdom. And so you not only receive hope now, but you become an agent of hope wherever you go. You not only see how God moves to rescue you whenever you get lost, but you become known as someone in your family that is the safest person to approach when other people are failing. You become known as the person in your office or in your school or in your neighborhood that when other people don't have it together, they don't need to run from you, they run to you because you are someone who's safe and welcoming and caring. You become an outpost of resurrection power and hope. You become an embodiment of the kingdom and the family of God wherever you go. And as you do, you are transformed. You are set free because you're living according to your design. You are set free because more and more you are trusting the one master who when you give yourself to him, you don't become a slave. You actually become who you were created to be. Friends, this is our calling today. This is our challenge today. We remind each other of this every week because we develop spiritual amnesia, forgetting how much he loves us. Today, my friends, remember that voice that sets you free. Remember that citizenship that calls you to the kingdom of God. Remember that family identity that says you are the beloved in whom he's well pleased and live into it. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we pray now that your spirit would be like a wind that can move the sailboat across the bay, that you would actually animate our lives. 
We pray for the clarity of your spirit in our lives to give us wisdom to receive your truth that sets us free. We have so many voices around us shouting different directions all the time, and we easily get lost. And so now, Jesus, help us to hear your voice. You say that you are the good shepherd and your sheep hear your voice. And so here we are needing you to lead us, to feed us, to nourish us, and to send us out for our good and for your glory. As we get ready to come to this very table, would you fill us not only with your truth, but with yourself? Or would you send us out to live with joy in the freedom that you call us to? In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.